you like Grant Fisher, I told him I'd give this shout out, but he just came out with a new podcast called The Half Step Pod. He's doing it with a former teammate of his, Connor Lane, and a really good listen behind the scenes action of what it's like to be a professional. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Half Step Pod. I am your co-host, Connor Lane, and across from me, again virtually, we got Grant Fisher. Grant, do you have anything cool this weekend? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's um, coming off a big weekend. Back in uh, back in Portland now, though, it's been some time. I haven't been here since um, mid-December, so it's good to be uh, at our temporary home again, not living out of a suitcase. This is like a new, this is a new house for you guys as well, right? Um, yeah, yeah. The, the house is ever expanding. Um, so the originals were me, Kieran and Thomas and, uh, Mark recently moved in, although he's in Europe right now. Um, so we are ever expanding and Lopez is talking about moving in, uh, temporarily, but we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) If he moves in, it might be easier to get him on the pod. That is true. Yeah, it would be easier to get him in. So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll see what I can do. This is this is what everyone came here for, right? This episode, a little bit. Yeah, the, the housing house situation. You can, yeah. you can yeah. pick up the, the computer camera and, and walk around with it. Um, and now we we have to we have to dive right into this, man. Um, American record in the ten thousand meters. In case anyone wasn't watching the live stream on Sunday night, we'll talk about that, the race getting pushed to Sunday night when it was originally going to be Saturday. Um, just 2633, uh, beating the previous American record by 11 seconds, 2644, Galen Rupp. Uh, at the 10, the the meet put on by sound running. Uh, it seemed like a fantastic meet, got everything done on your guys' end. I, you know, you had a post about it that didn't have the words for it. I don't truly have the words for what I think beating the American record by that much, um, beating it at all, but beating it by that much means. I. It's been a couple of days now. We're recording this on Tuesday night. Uh, how are you feeling? Like, like what's that What's that feeling like? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a weird feeling. You know, things have, um, things have moved really quickly over the past month. Um, you know, I, I went from hoping to achieve some, some big things. And, um, now I, I have my name next to a lot of people that, um, I respect a lot. Um, you know, looking at some of these descending order list, all time lists now, um, I see my name and it, it almost looks out of place, <laughs> you know, like you see these legends of the sport, um, from decades past or the current era. And, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not used to seeing my name, um, associated with those people, um, because I've always kind of viewed them as being at a different level. So, um, man, it, it's a really good feeling. It, it's really cool. Um, I, I, I think I'll still have difficulty describing what I'm feeling right now on this podcast, but I'll, I'll do my best. Um, there's, uh, a lot to dive into, I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm still riding the high. I mean, it's not just like the transition from viewing those people on a different level to now you being on an equal level. I mean, of course not to like 11 seconds in a 10 K faster, faster than any American has ever, has ever run. I mean, I know if, if you're any sort of running nerd, you've seen the, the Chris Linsky race at, at 
Peyton Jordan right at Stanford, where he runs twenty six fifty nine, and that gets the American record at the time in that race that was being set up for Galen Rupp. And we should we should do a deep dive on that at some point because that's a phenomenal race. It's yeah, that's a one great of those race. ones you one of those ones you watched Chris Slimsky's ten k growing up um, on YouTube, and you're like that running is cool. Um, twenty six fifty nine, and like just to think about what happened this weekend, running twenty six thirty three. I mean, obviously, it's not the world record. Obviously, there are people out there who run faster than that. Uh, it, it definitely, looking at the descending order list, seeing your name at the top, I mean, that's that's wild. And we can get more into the specifics of this because I feel like that's kind of where you often keep your head as opposed to going big picture and being like, wow, I have this American record. But, uh, I mean, it's got to feel nice. It's got to feel nice. So, unless there's anything else, like take, take me through, I guess, kind of starting out. Uh, I feel like something that we didn't really – we didn't really post about, I mean, I know that sound running did is the meet got moved. So you guys went down there initially, but ended up waiting for, I think longer than a whole extra day. than you initially thought, right? Yeah. Yeah. Things, um, things were kind of weird going into the meet. We, um, we had originally planned on racing on Saturday night, um, down in, uh, California, Southern, Southern LA basically. Um, and, on Wednesday, we were doing our very last uh, track session at NAU's track. Um, it was a super light session, so we didn't bother dropping down in altitude. Um, just did it at NAU. Um, it was a very standard pre-meet thing where you're not you're not working very hard. You're just trying to keep the legs fresh, um, feel some pop, do one rep at race pace, but that's it. Um, and right before we started the workout, um, Jerry pulled all the guys aside and said, uh, guys, we kind of have a situation. Um, there's going, there's projected uh, 20 mile an hour winds uh, on Saturday night down in uh, at this this spot that we were going to race at, J. Sarah, and um, he said there were gusts up to 30 miles an hour projected, and I, uh, you know, he was having doubts about the the conditions being being optimal. Um, and at that time, you know, 20 miles an hour winds with gusts up to 30 does not sound good. That, that doesn't sound fun. That, could blow, that could blow you right off the track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're going to be it, up in the LA sky. Yeah, we were saying, uh, you know, uh, running. if I were running behind Mo, I, he wouldn't even block the wind for me. Uh, he's, he's a pretty skinny guy. So, um, yeah, we, we were making a lot of jokes about it. But it was a serious situation because, you know, if – we, we did a little math um, after this conversation. We we're like, you know, even if you think the wind slows you down 1% over the course of a 10K, that's a lot of time. That's, you know, that's for sure the difference between getting the world standard and not getting the world standard. Um, that's That can be the difference between breaking 27 and not um, the American record or not, you know, the even 1%. Those are massive, massive numbers when you extrapolate that to 10K. Um, so... Yeah, Jerry said, you know, we're going to have to make a call on this. Um, and the weather could change. Um, uh, he said, I'm going to request that the race gets moved to Sunday. Um, and uh, I think he, he said there were other coaches feeling the same way and other athletes feeling the same way, uh, looking at the wind readings. And uh, he said, this could end up being the wrong call. Like, it, it's very possible the wind it's super windy Sunday night and Saturday night's perfect. And, uh, you know, we shot, we could have shot ourselves in the foot by, by doing this, but, um, he said with the information that we have now, 
uh, I think this is the right decision to make. And he was on the phone with, uh, with Jesse, the, the meat director and, um, the guy that pretty much organized all of this, uh, down at sound running. And, um, sounds like he agreed that Sunday would be more optimal, but there were tons of logistics involved in moving this meat. Um, so we were just told to hold tight. Um, and, uh, we were planning on leaving that Thursday. So the day after pre-meet, um, we got the text from Jerry at 11:30 PM on Wednesday, uh, cancel your flight boys. Uh, we're staying up an extra day. Um, get a hotel room because all of our Airbnbs expired, uh, that mm. day. So, um, stay in the hotel room. Staying, staying one more day at altitude with yeah. the race delayed one. It's yeah. There yeah. You go. So we, we stay the extra day. Um, usually we like to race two days out of altitude. So if we came down Thursday, we would be three days down. So can't and have that. What are you going to do? <laughs> um, that offsets the wind. Wait, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. Just, you don't want to go through that process. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So all those things were being optimized and, um, we, uh, yeah, we ended up getting the, the green light, the, that, um, that Thursday, Hey, book your flights for tomorrow. We're going, uh, meets move to Sunday, uh, and be ready to go. So, um, yeah. yeah, we were, we had one day in limbo. Um, there were, there were points where people were starting to doubt that the meet was going to be able to move, be, be moved to Sunday just because, you know, you have a lot of things that go into meet. You have, in this case, we had, uh, the light rail that was shipped from Oregon down to California for this race. Um, we'll talk about the light rail. Yeah. Yeah. We have, you know, you have meet officials, you have volunteers, you have, um, drug testers, you have, um, timing crews, uh, you have, uh, a track that maybe does, we didn't have permission for Sunday. We had permission for Saturday. Um, so that all had to be worked around. Um, we had different city ordinances that we had to follow where, uh, the, the town of San Luis or San Juan Capistrano says that you can't have the stadium lights on past a certain time. So the meet had to be moved to a little earlier in the night than, than it was previously planned. So all these like technical little details, but, um, Jesse ironed them out, which, uh, which was great. And, uh, it, it happened. Got you guys down there. <laughs> so, yeah. And the yeah, meat yeah, house, so we made I feel like at the 10 minute mark, we should probably, we should probably get into it, into the, yeah, yeah. That, that's I, enough logistics. People probably don't care about that, but shout out to Jesse. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, shout out to everyone who helped put this meet on, especially, uh, Jesse. And, and obviously, yeah, I mean, it is cool hearing about like how, mobile like you know how flexible the team can be in this kind of situation though getting you guys like maximizing your situations it's definitely a luxury you guys have but you that you do it to the best of your ability is still a skill and uh something that you can control and and you guys control well i talking about this meet specifically though i feel like you know it your your racing season has has really gotten broken up the last couple of years right because you guys did this meet last year like the first rendition of it into you know you've got these time trialy races early on and then as you build into the actual racing championship season we see more of like the racing maybe you drop down for a 1500 you kind of mix it up and then we go into trials and then you know if you make the team the championships or the olympic cycle and then maybe some more racing on the back end of that but that's, that's kind of the pattern that we've seen so you've you've hit some of these early early you know early season time trial type stuff before in seasons past so you know i coming into this meet 
where, where's your head at having just having just done this five right running 1253 in it coming into this 10 knowing hey I, I did a very similar type of thing last year knowing approximately what the group was going to look like and and woody pacing you guys like what what were your main concerns what were you thinking about going into this race besides i mean you had one eye on the american record we all we all kind of know this but besides that where, where, where's your head at what are you focused on yeah yeah um you you actually raised a bunch of uh interesting topics there um i will touch on i'll, I'll get to what you just said but i will touch on one piece really quickly um you know, we, we have this really interesting balance of, in our sport, trying to run fast and then racing. And usually those two don't go exactly hand in hand. Um, usually, if you want to run as fast as you possibly can, uh, you want to have an ideal race with good temperatures, low winds, good pacing, uh, stuff like that. Um, but the most exciting and most important part of our sport is the racing. And that usually comes in the summer where you're racing in the middle of the day, you know, there's no pacers, it's a tactical affair, um, you're racing. So, um, I, we, as, as a team, we've tried to find a really nice balance where, you know, it's really fun to, to test your body's limits and see how fast you can go. Um, and it's also fun to race. And, um, the balance that we found right, right now is to do some of these, you know, test, test yourself uh, against the clock races early on and then uh, sharpen up and, and be ready for the summer races where you need to uh, be more of a, a tactical racer um, in the summertime. Um, especially as an American, um, these these Olympic teams, these world championship teams are really difficult to make. You have to be pretty tuned up for to sure, make sure. one of these teams. So, um, you know, you can't be messing about with time trials and stuff leading up to it. You uh, you kind of want to have a pretty big cushion between that part of the season and championship racing part of the season. So that's why these two pieces are kind of separated like that. Um, because I, I think, you know, a lot of people wonder why we did something like races 10 K instead of doing us indoors and try to make the, the world indoor team. Um, there's, there's only so many days in a season. There's only so many hard efforts you can put forth. And when you, when you cycle your season, um, it can be tough to fit everything in. Um, and sometimes it's a timing issue. Um, I, I wish there were an extra month, like between like March and April, like if you just squeeze an extra month in there somehow, uh, because then I would have loved to have been able to try to make the world indoor team and do this 10 K. Um, but there's, there's just not, there's just not ample time, especially with the, the U S 10 K championship moved up a month. Um, that just condenses our season even further. Um, so uh, a bit of a monologue there, but, um, you know, that, that's, that's kind of why we were going for, uh, run fast now and then, uh, race well later. Yeah. The gist of it being that we got, we got to divide out these two blocks for you and yeah, us indoor would have been a cool opportunity, but you knew you couldn't balance both with this 10 K as well. Um, yeah. So I guess take it from wherever you want with that, but definitely like approaching this actual race. Um, you probably knew it was going to get, you probably knew the group that was going and the group that wasn't right. It seemed like your team had an idea of like you and Mo, um, with Woody, with Woody and Josh pacing, you guys were going to go after these records. And, uh, basically the rest of the crew was going to go hit this world standard in the 10 K, but not do anything too crazy trying to trying to go with you guys uh and it split up pretty quickly off the start line 
I assume that this was all planned. I assume you knew Woody was pacing it, even though the announcers did not know in the race. <laughs> um, so take me through like kind of the beginning there and getting settled, running like freaking 63 point basically for, for this 10K, which is just, I mean, everyone go out and try to run a 63 at your track. Um, I'm sure some people in our audience can do it. Some people in our audience might even be able to do it again. Uh, after that point, you're getting down to brass tacks as to if anyone can do that three times in a row. Um, that's, it's, it's pretty sick. So yeah, take me through the beginning of this race. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll go slightly, uh, build up to the race, um, uh, first. Um, yeah, so everyone on the team and I believe everyone in the field was on the same page that they were kind of going to be two races within the race. Um, and we were going to have these pace light things as well and pacers for each group. So there'd be one group that had the goal of getting after the uh, world championship standard, which is 27, 28. Um, so getting under that was, was a big goal for a lot of people in the race. And then um, for, for Mo and myself, um, we already had the, the world championship standard from last year. The window kind of extends pretty deep for the 10 K. So um, we really didn't have much to lose in, in trying to chase a fast time, because even if we blew up and ran really poorly, um, you know, we, we still had the standard. So, um, that's the reason why the, the two groups, um, the pacing situation was being juggled up until the day before the race. Um, the, the plan originally was for JT to pace. Um, and then Woody actually volunteered to pace. Um, he was originally supposed to race and Jerry originally wanted him to race. Um, but he really wanted to pace. Um, so, um, uh, definitely shout out to him. Pretty selfless, selfless act. Um, For sure. so yeah, we ended up getting uh, Woody to pace. And then, um, the day before I was told that Sam Atkin wanted to lead for 2k of the race and, uh, then, then tuck back in and finish. Um, so he was, he was also a rabbit. Um, and then, uh, that the night before I was told that, uh, Ollie was going to help pace, uh, the first 2k as well. So we had all hands on deck, uh, for this pace job. Uh, the other group had, um, Yoma pacing, uh, one of the Japanese guys that's been training with us. Um, so both groups had pacing, um, both groups knew the goal. Um, and I, I guess I'll speak more specifically for, for the group I was in just because those were the, I had more conversations with Jerry about that than, than, um, the world championship standard group. Um, that makes sense considering the, uh, one you were part of. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the goal was to, to run fast. Um, and the goal was to, to break the American record, uh, or the North American record more accurately. Um, and, uh, Jerry wanted the pace lights at 1322. Um, I wanted them more like 1328. Um, I was a little, a little less ambitious in, uh, in the pace pace or the pace I wanted to kind of squeeze off of. Um, I was hoping we could run like 1325 to 1330 over the first half and then, um, really run that pace for, almost all of the race and then have a kick the last lap that ideally brought us just a touch under, uh, 2644, which was the, the record. Um, so 
Yeah, in the end, uh, Jerry won that out. Is, that is not what happened. <laughs> yeah, Jerry, Jerry won out. And, uh, you know, looking back, it seems to have been the right call. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had the pace lights go out almost exactly on 64-0 pace um, for every lap, which is, um, that's, that's, that's cooking. <laughs> um, yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, when, when I was in college, um, even like my senior year, goal pace was... 64 to 65 for a 5k. Um, and th that was like, that, that would have been a PR. That was PR pace for me. Um, and, you know, fast forward three, four years later, and uh, that's, that's what I'm coming through a 10k in, which is wild. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of the lead up. Um, Mo and I knew that eventually it was going to be just me and him, um, two of us together. And, um, we both know that or knew that we like, we were really relying on the other person. Um, the 10 K is mm -hmm. a long way to go and, you know, doing it solo, it just takes a lot of energy. Um, we had the luxury of having each other. Um, Elise had to do a lot of work by herself in the, in the previous race. So she didn't have that same luxury, but um, Mo and I knew we needed each other out there. And uh, the plan was, whenever the last pacer you know stepped off which was uh which was woody um mo and i were going to split the lead um however we saw fit in the moment and uh try to share it and carry each other through um because you know it, it's th this wasn't uh, we we ultimately ended up racing at the end um yeah. which which was very exciting and i think dragged us even faster than we would have but you know, you can't start the, the gamesmanship and the, and the racing at seven K. <laughs> um, well, there, there's such little reason to do it in this kind of contrived, like racing for the record setting, especially I feel like, right. Yeah. Like this, this whole thing is designed for you to run as fast as you can. Um, yeah. Woody steps off somewhere around six or seven. Right. I, I, I honestly, everything is thrown off for me because of how fast your guys' 10 K is. Like I typically think of it as like, Oh, so a couple minutes under 30 if it's a really fast one. So I like I looked up and I was like, oh, Woody's off already. That's weird. They're only at like 22, 21 minutes. And then I was like, wait, that's like pretty much a mile. Like they're going to be 26 something. That's absurd. So I kind of got thrown off by all of that. How long was he in there? And then he steps off and Mo does a really good job for a while there taking it. But you're like right on his shoulder doing that kind of thing where I feel like even though Mo was in the lead, you're so close to it that it honestly is very much mutual lead. Like you definitely get a benefit as a person in lead knowing that someone's right there too, I feel like. So how long was Woody on? And then did you kind of try to help Mo out by being right behind him before you did take a couple laps there? Yeah. Um, I believe Woody made it to, to just past seven K. Um, yeah, uh, honestly, I, I was trying that. not to pay attention to the lap counts as much as I could. Um, so I'm not really sure how far he went, but I believe it was a little past seven K. So, I mean, that that's ideal. Having a, a pacer get you to 7K of a 10K is as good as it gets. Um, and our pacer was the the defending U.S. champion at the distance. <laughs> so like, <laughs> how how much better could it get? You know, you got a, a great great athlete rabbiting you so so smooth. Um, I went back and looked at our splits, and we were just so dead on. Um, Ollie started us off great. Um, JT kept it rolling uh sam kept it rolling and then woody kind of really got us right onto that 64 
rhythm. Um, so by the time Woody stepped off, we were, we were, we were set up perfect. Um, we were right on those lights and, um, I'd been hearing the splits, uh, trying to shut my mind off, but you, you hear the splits every time when your coach is in your face screaming. Um, and so, uh, yeah, my, my confidence was growing throughout the race. Um, you know, before this one, my, my PR was 27, 11. Um, and so this was very much uncharted territory for me. I, I think Mo was a little more comfortable because he's run under 27 minutes before. Um, so he kind of knew, knew the feeling. He knew what it, what it takes. He, he knew the splits a but little you bit don't, better. That's true, but he'd only run like what, 2659, right? Or 57. Yeah. It hadn't yeah, been yeah. like, well, I mean, incredible time, but like still massive <laughs> yeah, PR only. for him in this right. race. Like not, not like he'd been here before really. In a lot right, of right, right. I, I, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But he, I mean, he, he, had, break, he, he had broken the yeah, twenty-seven yeah. minute barrier. He's run a lot more ten k sure. than me. Um, uh, but sure. yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there, there were big jumps for both of us. Um, massive, massive PRs for both of us. So we were in uncharted waters, um, and so. You, you you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you you could, you have the confidence in yourself that you'll be able to hold it together. But, um, you know, like one of one of our biggest uh, pre meet work or pre race workouts we did was down in uh, Phoenix, and uh, we did one k and two k reps at goal pace sixty four point. And you know, sometimes you do those workouts and you think to yourself, like, man, how am I how am I going to do this 10 times in a row? Like how, how on earth am I going to be able to do this? Like I, I'm doing one K reps with, with, with a break and it, it's hard. Um, how am I going to just string these back to back? And it, it's crazy how much you can surprise yourself on race day. Um, just in the moment with, uh, with some guys around you, um, you know, that being your singular focus with a little bit of a taper. Um, it's, it's crazy that, that sometimes you can get your body to do things like that. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I guess back to the race, Woody got us to seven K and then, uh, Mo took over and, you know, started ratcheting the pace down. Um, I, I could feel us really starting to, to tighten the screws as people say, like you start to squeeze and, um, it, it's like, it's like you have a, a towel full of water and you're trying to squeeze out all the drops and, um, you know, as you get closer to the end, you have to squeeze a little tighter and harder and it takes a little bit more effort. Um, and you kind of progressively start, you know, feeling that, that the water's almost running dry. Um, and, uh, yeah, most squeezed it. And then, um, he, I, I'm not sure how many laps he led it. It felt like maybe four, four laps. Yeah, I'm not about. really sure. It was kind of a blur, <laughs> maybe five. Um, he led for quite a while. And then, um, I was right behind him and trying to stay as relaxed as possible. But you know, when you're eight K nine K into a 10 K, you're not relaxed. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I, at one point I felt like, uh, it was my turn to, to help out. And, uh, I said to Mo, like I, I can help that. That's all I could mutter was I can help. And so hey, uh, talking at that point is ridiculous. Anyway, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. And, uh, so he stepped to the side and let me up and, um, I started to, to squeeze a bit and, um, really, really kind of up the ante and, um, 
at this point we were well well ahead of the pace lights so we had we didn't have that that visual cue um, which was actually quite nice to not have the visual cue at the end um, just kind of squeeze as you as you uh, wanted to and not have these lights kind of dictating it um, and you know towards the end maybe with two three laps to go Jerry was on the back stretch and he was like you guys are gonna break 2640 um, like you, you guys are gonna kill it kill the record basically and I was like oh shit like I I didn't I didn't know that we were going that quick relative to the record I thought um, I thought maybe we could you know dip a toe under and run low uh, 2640s but you know now he's yelling at us like if you really squeeze here you can get into the 2630s um, which I absolutely would not have predicted going into the race um, and yeah, we squeezed it down. Um, I knew Mo was on my shoulder the whole time. Uh, you know, I, I, I know what Mo can do. I, I see him in practice every day. Um, the guy is an aerobic monster. Um, his, his like his ability to do aerobic work is next level. Um, so I, I knew <laughs> I, I wasn't like trying to shake him or anything. I was just trying to squ squeeze the race down and I knew he'd be there. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you're just squeezing and squeezing and squeezing. And then uh, all of a sudden it's a lot to go. And, you know, it's time to, to to just give everything you have left, which at a 10K is usually not very much. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you closed in 58.00. Um, 58.00. Mo closed in 58.08. I, the difference between you guys was like not even... That last lap, I mean, so you, you take lead somewhere around uh like 1200 to go right like somewhere in that lap going into like three to go and and you pull it through and then with about i mean again you guys talked about this in your post race uh interview you guys did for the the streaming site it's 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 all love it's all about like pulling each other to get this time with about 300 meters to go in the race though he he moves around you like on the back stretch right like on on your shoulder and, and by and i mean that that looked like he opened up that gap on you and you were still going to run crazy fast you were you had the ar locked up i mean I, it seems like you were even aware of like i have this ar although i'm sure that you're still just trying to run fast and win the race um and he, he put that gap on you and i i thought look grant is incredible but i don't know if there's a shot that he comes back from <laughs> from from this like five six seven meter gap that was opening with 200 to go against someone like mo who's got two medals i mean you don't I don't know. You don't often come back on. He didn't. It's not like he faded back to you either. Um, talk to me about. I mean, he goes around you, and obviously, like the the move, if you have anything left, and you know you do, is like you somehow find a way to like latch right onto his his stride as he comes around you, right? And like kind of like lock right in there and be ready to move again. And you like you didn't do that in that moment, but you still found a way to come back around and, and narrowly outkick him. Which again, like as teammates, isn't. You know, if there's bragging rights on the line, there's, of course, the North American record on the line. But it also isn't, like, the biggest thing in the world. It's not like this is the Olympics um, or Worlds. But talk to me about that last 250, finding a year that, like, a year ago, Grant did not have. I mean, you might not have been here a year ago running 26-33, but also would not have been able to have that kind of comeback on someone like Mo. So just talk to me about this finish. Yeah, yeah, man, that, that last lap was, was wild. Um 
I guess to your point, yes, uh, I did realize that um, I'd be able to to get the American record um, when Jerry was yelling things like that. Um, but that that left my mind fairly quickly. Um, you know, with, with those laps to go when I was still in the lead, I was just trying to squeeze it down. Just um, you know, like I said, just there's not a lot of thinking going on, right? It's yeah, just, there's not a lot of thinking. It's really hard. It's more doing. Like I, yeah. I could feel like, you know, you have your face against the fire, like you're, you're as close as you can get. And, you know, you go a little too far and you get burnt up. Um, but you lean, you know, too far back and, you know, maybe you finish with more in the tank and that's never that great of a feeling, um, in in this type of race. So I knew I had to lean into it and, you know, keep pushing and keep turning over. It was, um, honestly a similar mentality to, uh, to, to that Boston race where, um, I just had to keep reminding myself, like hit the gas again, hit it again, hit it again. Cause, um, you know, the minute you kind of let up, um, and get that negative momentum, it's really hard to, to re-engage. Um, so yeah, get, get into that last lap and, um, you know, I was given it and Mo went flying by me. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he hit a, a nice gear shift on that backstretch and, um, I, I didn't, I, I couldn't match that. Um, it, I, you know, when, when you're, I guess, 9,600 into a 10 K you're, uh, you don't have those, those quick, sharp gear changes like you might in a, in a 1500 or a slower tactical race. Um, you, you just don't like, it just feels a bit more mushy when you try to like accelerate. Um, your body is just toast. Um, and so there was a, a, a period of time on that backstretch where I was like, man, like I'm, I don't, I don't, I can't cover this. Um, and, you know, I, I was still trying to cycle up through my gears um, and, and, you know, race that lap as best as I could. Um, so, you know, that, that thought quickly left my head or, you know, I tried to push it out of, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't hang with this guy. Uh, and so I, I tried to just cycle up through my gears and, um, I was able to steady, steady, like build a little more momentum, build a little bit more and, and coming around that curve, I was like, I, I think I can slingshot off of this one and, uh, and really have a good, like, like final hundred. Um, and, and I was gaining a little ground on Mo, uh, which, which he had opened up on me very quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, that last hundred meters, you're just you're giving it everything you have left. Um, and, uh, you know, I was trying not to, to tense up, but you know, when you're that tired, you're kind of tense. You're, you're just kind of muscling it through. Um, there's not, there's not much fluidity to it at that point. It's just, uh, just whatever you have left. And, um, yeah, yeah. I was thankful to have a, a nice final hundred and, um, yeah, Mo and I finished within tenths of each other. Um, and, you know, that, that, at, to, to bring it full circle, uh, my, my prior monologue about, uh, you know, when, when you have these time trial races versus, uh, like races, race races, um, this one was kind of the best of both worlds. Like we, we had a, our teammates out there rabbiting us in, in ideal conditions. Um, and I had Mo out there with me and we worked together. Um, but over that last lap, I, I think if, if anyone goes back and watches or, or was watching, 
um, you know, we were racing. Um, and, uh, that, that was really fun. Um, you know, we pulled each other along to much, much faster times than we would have alone. Um, and so, yeah, man, that, that last lap, part of it was a blur. Part of it felt like it lasted three minutes. Um, I mean, it, it, it was a strange, strange feeling. Um, I'm sure your brain is kind of fried at that point. Like you're probably so overheated and like, yeah, there's probably no blood flow to your brain. <laughs> so you're, you're not really like thinking very, uh, complete thoughts. I'm not a, I'm no expert in, uh, in anatomy or in any of the physiology there, but it certainly, it certainly seems like you're not firing on all mental cylinders, at least it's very raw. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, 2633, you know, and, and Mo just behind you is, yeah, I mean, it lops a it lops a big chunk off of the previous American record. I, I feel like we keep we keep doing this with these uh these previous previous Galen Rupp held American records, man. I don't know, I don't know what the deal is, but yeah, it definitely it definitely feels like. I mean, I don't even know entirely where to go from there because we just, we just described a race in the pretty normal way we've been describing races for the last year or so, including some big ones. But it's just. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't even get to the true heart of, like, running 26.33. I mean, we keep talking about, in the preview shows, we keep talking about, oh, uh, you know, I'm going to get try to get close to this mark. And then in the post-race shows, we talk about how you probably had the fitness to, to beat the record. But we keep, you're, you're beating this record by a significant margin this time. It's uh, it's something wild, and I feel like it, it just, it, I don't know. It, it, I really like what you were saying about, workouts compared to races because even on my level like i remember talking to alex osberg a lot about this when we were both teammates here like you do a workout at race pace and you're like there yeah there's simply no way i'm gonna run a 5k like anywhere near this or man i feel so sluggish and tired today doing these reps like there's there's no way that i'm even gonna be there and there's just something about like turning off your brain to what the splits actually are like if you think about i mean it doesn't matter how you know good you are the accolades like 63 point or 64 like low like is not it can feel smooth maybe but it's it's not like that's not like any sort of complacent running you know and yeah, that's, that's yeah. what you're doing for for six miles like i mean it, it certainly wouldn't feel smooth to me just it's it's not even complacent for you you know or something you can kind of like put behind yourself and just like completely shut off in so like thinking about 64 pace i mean is that something that you're trying not to think about in the days leading up to it just i'm gonna hit the workouts that jerry gives me and that's gonna be where it is and i'm not gonna like spend my time thinking about what 64 means um and of course 104 through 400 is what we're talking about for um anyone who who doesn't know i yeah i just don't know how you like mentally like approach that for six miles like this is how fast it's gonna be i mean you shut it down hopefully upstairs as much as you can but like how much are you aware of, of what 64 like really is, you know, like pre-race yeah. in the race? Like, like, what are you thinking about? Yeah. Um, you know, you have to do some, uh, mental gymnastics a bit before the race. Um, you know, 64 seconds for a 400, 416 for a mile. That's not comfortable. Um, that's not relaxed. <laughs> That, I mean, you're, you're on the gas for that entire rep if you're doing that in training. Um, and yeah, you, you run a 416 in training. And, you know, I think next week, if I run a 416 in training, I will think, how did I do this six times in a row? Like, 
it, it just sometimes in training, like you can, you can build a lot of confidence, but you can also like destroy a lot of confidence in training sometimes too. Um, you know, the, the pre-race workout that, that I mentioned that we did at NAU, um, granted we were at 7,000 feet, but we, uh, we ran a 1200, um, as one of our reps at race pace. Uh, so 64 point and, um, didn't feel great. <laughs> um, did not feel great. And, you know, you talk to the guys after and they're like, you know, Does that feel smooth to you. Like, and everyone's like, no. <laughs> Sometimes uh, one and, dude is like, yeah, that felt, that felt easy as hell. Like, oh, <laughs> and then you feel worse about it. You're like, oh my God, I don't even know. Yeah. So like, it's hard to conclude a lot of stuff like that. Um, like I said, you know, sometimes you hit really nice reps in training and it, and it builds your confidence. Like, um, I'm in a good place. Uh, this race is going to go well, but sometimes when you really start extrapolating on yourself, um, you can get yourself into trouble. You can talk yourself out of what you might be capable of. hundred um, percent. And, 100%. uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, I struggle with that too. Like I said, like, you know, I, I ran that 1200 before the race and was like, man, this is, this is serious. This is going to be really hard. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, you know, the point of the race is for it to be hard. Um, so, you know, you can kind of hype yourself up in that sense. Um, kind of looking forward to, to that hurt and that, that, um, those moments of, of fatigue. Um, because those are the moments that you remember. Those are the moments like when you choose to dig in, um, Versus when you choose to, to, I guess, give in, um, those are the things that, that serve you well in the future. Um, every time you, you lean into it and, uh, when it's getting hard, instead of backing away, you, yeah, you lean more into it. You put yourself more on the line and, um, you know, try to get everything out of yourself. Every time you do that, it gets easier. Um, every time you, you give up, that gets easier too. Uh, I think we talked mm -hmm. about this in, in an, one of our previous episodes, but feels um, familiar. Yeah. Every time you give in, it gets easier to do that. So, um, ideally you avoid doing that, um, unnecessarily. Um, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there's, there's, you know, everyone's situation, whether it's about racing or about training or, or whatever, you, whatever, like giving in can mean a lot of different things for a lot of people and be more enabled or less enabled, different people, depending on kind of like, a lot of things, right? It's why you try to craft your lifestyle in a certain way to kind of like keep kind of like nudging you in the direction of making the right or good decisions for training. But it's also what's so valuable about having teammates like the ones you've surrounded yourself with through most of your career. Um, you know, like, like top guys that you've been competing with and, and training on the same team as, and especially like Mo, right. And, and all these Bowerman guys, like, you know, similarly, like, you having a teammate there and both of you are running in the 2630s is like, it really, I mean, not that you couldn't have done it on your own. I don't know how you feel about that, but it, it, <laughs> it certainly makes it like a little bit easier to push that tremendous, you know, like hurt knowing that that guy's right there. It's like, well, I, sh I should be here too in a lot of ways. And I know we've talked about that approach too, but yeah, it's just, it's having someone like a teammate, you know, to help you not give in because they're doing it is, is sometimes like, sometimes you can't get better motivation than that, you know, like not in a competitive sense, but also just in like a, I can do this too sense, hopefully. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, if that definitely helped enable the times that we saw, but it certainly seemed like that teamwork kind of made it happen. 
Dude, dude, absolutely. I mean, I, like I said earlier, like Mo and I needed each other for that race to happen. Um, we we couldn't have done that alone, um, either of us. Um, I guess I'm speaking for Mo here, but I, I think he would agree that um, we the the support of having your teammate there is invaluable. It's hard to even put a put a you know a value on it. Like there, when things get hard, you know your body and mind's mental, like, uh, I guess initial reaction is going to be like, whoa, like chill out. Like, like don't, don't push so hard. Like don't, don't be doing this. Uh, and when you have your teammate there, it's like, well, I can't let this guy down. Like he's, he's counting on me to, to keep this pace going. Um, and so I, I don't have a choice. I, I have to. And, Sometimes when you're in races, and I, I kind of want to beat his ass. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, but, but, but so, both parts of it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes when you're in races, you want to limit your choices. Um, and having your teammate there, it, you don't have a choice but but to to do what you said you were going to do, um, to to share the pace and to to keep things moving along and um, and and keep the pace hot. Um, when you give yourself too many opportunities to make decisions um in, within a race one it wastes a lot of mental energy but two it, it's really hard to make the right decision um in in the moment um you're fatigued you're tired um you know i've been in races before where i've been fatigued and tired and give my give myself too many options and uh i've chosen to to let up a bit um and and i've regretted those decisions a lot after but in the moment, it seems like the most appealing thing to do. Great, a great um, decision. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, everybody struggles with that stuff, but having a teammate there just makes all those things easier. Um, you know, from beyond the training element, which uh, I think I've mentioned tons of times about how great it's been training with Mo and learning from him. Um, just within the race, having him there, it's like it's a comfort thing. Um, I know the training he's done. He knows the training I've done, and. Um, you know, you kind of have that feeling of, okay, if, if this guy can do it, I can do it too. Um, and, uh, Mo has certainly set a high bar as far as, um, racing and times have gone. So, um, it's, uh, it's fun to be right there with him now. Yeah, no, I mean, in these last couple of weeks, like you're right there with them. It, it's exciting to see. Uh, the only thing I talk about from the post-race interview that you guys had is Mo had a comment about about uh, a goal here of, uh, of four medals, uh, <laughs> seemingly between the two of y'all. Uh, I assume that there's no comment on that at this time. Um, it's 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 definitely just it's definitely at least just something to keep uh, keep an eye on here as we move into. I mean, we're not even into racing season like fully, right? It's just still kind of the time trial phase. But I don't know if you have any thoughts on on way down the line. I mean, the first step, as I'm sure you would say, is just making teams, right? But uh, but definitely, I mean, most most teams that I'm sure, I'm sure deep down you might as well have your eye on some lofty goals for this upcoming summer. Yeah, dude. Um, you know, this I think is a similar thing. Like Mo, Mo knows what it takes. Uh, Mo has two medals. Um, I have zero medals. <laughs> um, I, I would love to. I would love to get one. Um, that's a that's a <laughs> yeah. big goal of mine. Um, I'm, my personality is kind of like, don't, don't get too far ahead of yourself. Um, so, For sure. uh, like you said, you know, there's several steps that need to be taken before I even have the opportunity to be in a race where medals are awarded. 
Um, this is true. I, you know, you, you, you have the, the U S champs, you have, um, rounds of a 5k at, 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 um, at the, at U S champs and at the, the world champs. Um, and you know, a lot of things have to go right for, for all those stars to align and for you to have a perfect day. And, um, yes, me and Mo ran, ran quite well this past weekend, but there are a lot of people out there in the world and a lot of them are very fast. Um, we, we have some very strong competition to go up against, namely, uh, the five and 10 K world record holder, um, and, and several others that, that are very talented and very fast. So, um, you know, th- this was a, a great, a great building block and, a, and it was an incredible race and I'm honored to, to have the American record. Um, and, uh, you know, getting, getting a global medal would be incredible. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't project too much into the future though. Um, <laughs> I, I'd say it's a goal, but, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I liked it. I liked it. Um, switching gears a bit to Elise's near miss at, at her American record. I mean, a phenomenal race. Uh, I'd love to hear her talk more about it in depth in the coming days, hopefully. But bigger than that, I mean, she ran 7K of that thing alone with the uh, with the light rail next to her. And I mean, I, I know you, I don't know if you saw it in the moment or if you just heard about it since then. But the the situation with her passing the light rail um in the home straight and i don't know you were mentioning how jerry basically you know like kind of was coordinating with jesse on like what to set it at do you know if hers was set on the american record and it just didn't didn't get there for some reason uh, of um or do you know if it was intentionally like a second or two behind that 3013 mark from molly huddle and like what was what was the deal with that because it seemed it seemed like she crossed and maybe thought she'd, she'd gotten it, or at least everyone else thought she'd gotten it because she was ahead of this light rail. This is, again, another reason why I was very happy in your race. You just you just threw the light rail off to the side pretty early on to that last 2 or 3K, and we're like, you know, we're just going to go run 10 seconds fast in the American record. Um, <laughs> talk to me. Do you know anything about Elise's deal with that? Yeah, so, um, so our race was intentionally set for pretty much exactly the American record pace. I, I think it was exactly the American record pace. Um, Elisa's race was the pacing lights were set to, I think three seconds slower than the American record pace. That was intentional. Um, that was what, um, I I guess I I wasn't involved in the discussions, but, uh, that's what Jerry and Elise had, uh, discussed. Um, and, and I believe the idea was, you know, have the pace be, I think 3016, I think is what it was, was set to, um, and then kick off of it. Um, so have, have the lights at, you know, where you want to be. And then naturally you kick the last lap. Um, ideally that, that dips you under the, the record. Um, I, I guess the, the other way of doing it, yeah, it was kind of the way we did it where you set the lights to exactly the record. Um, which realistically is not exactly how those races are run. Um, for for example, the the old record Galen's uh, twenty six forty four, he closed in like one fifty seven. Um, he made up a ton of time over the last two laps. So the way that he ran it was not twenty six forty four pace the whole time. Um, if you go back and watch his race, which uh, I 
I watched the race the night before. Um, oh, again, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, wow, that's um, cool. Yeah, I had to, uh, it was posted on, um, I think, like, Tracktown or maybe Pre-Classics uh, Facebook page. So I had to log into Facebook for the first time in years to watch this. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it was really cool watching the race. Um, and, uh, yeah, honestly, I, I modeled my race plan quite similarly to what Galen did. Um, he was in a pack of three, four guys had a rabbit and was sitting in the back of the pack. Um, and that was essentially what I did in my race too. So I definitely was taking notes. Um, and, uh, in that race, uh, Mo Farah was actually one of the two commentators and was providing great insight on, you know, how to race a 10 K, how to relax, when to make your move. Um, you know, he, he was making comments on, on what Galen was doing and, and what he thought was working well. And, um, again, I was taking notes on that too. So, uh, if you, maybe if you watch both races, uh, you'll see where I took, uh, took some of those ideas and tried to implement them myself too. Um, I, I think, uh, Galen ran that race great. I, I mean, he, you know, had a, a, a crazy last two laps. And, you know, watching that race, I think you would conclude that he probably could have run faster than 2644 on that day. Um, but yeah, I, back to the lights and, and the pace lights. Um, the way that a race is naturally run is, yeah, you run a little slower on, on average over the first bit. And then, you know, you kick at the end. So that was more the idea on Elisa's pace lights. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure talking to her after she knew, uh, the time that she needed to hit. And when she crossed the line, she knew oh, yeah. uh, that she was about a second off, which, you know, is, is heartbreaking. And, you know, I mentioned many times how valuable it was having Mo next to me. Um, Elise had it much, much harder, uh, leading for seven K. Um, I don't think I could have done that. <laughs> yeah, so definitely incredibly impressive what she did. I, I know she missed the record and I know she was disappointed about that, but that was a, a massive performance. Exactly. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's disappointment there being so close to something that is so much effort to get to, but like big picture, looking down the line for the next months for her, like you cannot be, you're not in a bad spot by any means. It's, it's, it's an optimal place. Uh, so yeah, Nera missed this time, but it definitely feels like she'll have many more chances for it. Um, I, yeah. I was just interested to hear about that because we were watching it in the dorm. We were like, did the lights slow down? Did did <laughs> they like did they misprogram it? And hearing you talk about how specifically they can set them, just you know, to give the to give the light rail company a little bit of slack here that they didn't mess it up and it was it was selected or it was seemingly selected as thirty sixteen, just slightly off of the pace for the reasons you talked about. That's yeah. definitely good. Yeah, I think um, I think the only issue yeah. was that it probably should have been mentioned on the broadcast that uh, I, I I guess obviously I wasn't watching the live stream uh, of Elisa's yeah, race. Um, but um, yeah, it, I, it sounds like um, that, that maybe should have been mentioned before because it sounds like a lot of people were kind of confused about the lights um, with, you know, what they were set to and stuff. I'm, I don't know what they said on the, the live broadcast, but it sounds like there was some, some uh, not miscommunication, but just like lack of communication to, to people watching what the lights were set to. Yeah, it definitely does. But um, like, like we were saying, she'll probably have more opportunities. She'll definitely have more opportunities that, uh, and it's still, it's still a massive PR for her. So 
you definitely can't be too disappointed in her position or in yours. And you had multiple other teammates, you know, hit this world standard in 10K. Uh, Sean, Kieran, both got under it. Uh, I don't want to leave anyone out, but I think that that was, that was all on that men's side. Um, but just like, seems like you went in, you got the job done, and, and now you're now you're back in, in Portland for a bit. Um, don't know if you've really even thought much about, I'm sure you guys have it roughly mapped out, but when you might race next, how long you're down for, uh, a little bit of like a, a little bit of a breather, I guess, in terms of altitude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have somewhat of a roadmap. Um, we will be down in Portland for a month to a month and a half or so. Um, and then we'll go up to park city, uh, for another altitude camp kind of mid, probably the second or third week in April. Um, I would really like to race at 1500 between now and then. Um, I think it'd be really fun just to try to try to compete with some, some speed guys, uh, get down to a 15. Um, so hopefully can find something in the next, uh, month and a half or so. Um, I, I think there, there might be some good opportunities in California to do. Um, so that could be a, a good time, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll go up to altitude. And then, um, as I mentioned, kind of at the beginning of this, we have a condensed season because the, the U S 10 K champs are, uh, attached to the Prefontaine meet now. They're like, I think May 27th or 28th now. Um, yeah, so, so it, it limits the amount of racing that you can do before that. Um, especially if you're a team that likes to go up to altitude like us, um, when you go up to altitude, you really don't want to leave for the first 21 to 28 days. So you can't really race in that block. Um, and when the U.S. champs get moved up like that, um, you know, it, there won't be racing for about 21 days before that. Uh, because we'll, or not necessarily, I guess, but we'll, we'll need to have our 21 day period or 28 day period where we don't race. And that cuts into the season, um, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, it, it, you know, there's a lot of positives to the meet being moved up. Um, it'll be really cool to have a dedicated uh, night, just people watching the 10K, um, not cutting to as many commercials, ideally. Um, maybe a little more hype, like a standalone event. Uh, I think the coverage will be great. Um, so really, awesome. really cool that they're doing that. But it, it does condense the season and uh, it condenses everybody's season. So I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, um, but it, it's a reality that we have to work around and build a season around. Yeah, yeah, it'll be exciting. And, and we'll talk much more about like that unique look to this season as we uh, as we get closer to it, I think. Uh, a couple of things in wrapping up. You mentioned Portland, Oregon. I first off got to shout out the apparel sponsor of one half of uh, this podcast co-hosting duo it's wardrobe for the night uh, Zane Fodge aka Silk Node on Instagram everyone should go follow him drop the new Yeti tech fleece jacket um, which is which is in heavy heavy demand uh, you wouldn't believe it Grant I, I didn't believe it at first John Mayer slid into his DMs asking for asking for for a piece of this wardrobe action and that is that is not an exaggeration really um, I saw I Dang, saw the, I I saw the DM yeah yeah, I know, I know, it's legitimate. So, Silk Note on Instagram, wow. he made it with uh, Explora, handmade in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I've been wearing it this entire podcast. I got my window open. And it's very temperature cooling. There's there's Kevlar in the sleeves as well. Um, wow, re- really, really enjoying, really enjoying wearing this around. So, shout out Zane. I'm sure your clothing sponsor uh, 
also also of decent quality. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll shout out my clothing guys. sponsor. Oh, wrong side. <laughs> this is mirrored. There we go. <laughs> uh, I should also, uh, if you're listening to the podcast forum, the advantage is that you won't have any of these internet connection cutouts because Grant records his own audio into his side of the microphone. But if you're on YouTube, you at least get to see our six bits and uh, Grant's Nike tee. And uh, yeah, so so it, it works both ways. But yeah, shout out Zane for this one, for, for letting me hold this thing for a little bit. Very excited about it. And I uh, can't believe it took me almost an hour to, to get that in there. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I do think that, and I guess this is kind of a rapid transition from, from the clothing sponsor, but you had, you know, you had a little bit of social media posting, right. About the race, about your team. Um, but obviously I think today or yesterday you, you made a series of posts, um, talking about what this race meant to you. Um, and hopefully meant for more than just you. Uh, the greater Stanford community mourning the loss of Katie Meyer, uh, captain and goalkeeper of the women's soccer team who tragically passed a week ago today. Uh, you, you know, it, it is it is definitely a tough situation and, and thing to even, even address or talk about. Um, almost don't feel qualified to do so, but obviously it's, it's had our community reeling. Um, uh, many people close to me who, who knew her very well, um, just a tragic, tragic situation. And you, you know, by happenstance were bib number 19 in this race or hip number 19, which was, which was her number. Um, and just, just a very small, small, small thing. I don't think that you maybe knew her. I mean, I can let you speak on like how this felt for you or your brother, Mark, who's, who's on the soccer, on the men's soccer team. Um, but just, I saw that you, I saw Vanessa, uh, I saw Elise all kind of posting about you know, keeping the Stanford community in their hearts. And I just, I didn't know if, if you, you know, you posted about it, if you had anything further to say or, or, or talk about kind of the experience of this race and connection to that at all, or, you know, just more generally, because I think that it is a little bit, you know, like we, we don't want to be saying that like this race was anything that it wasn't as well, I guess. Like, you know, like just, just floor is yours basically. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I mean, super sad situation all around. Um, and and it, it did hit kind of close to home for me. Um, you know, Katie was a, a Stanford student athlete um, on the on the women's soccer team. Uh, my little brother's on the men's soccer team there, and um, he knew her quite well. Um, so I, I had spoken to him earlier in the week, and, you know, he said it, it, it had been rough, um, you know, that's nothing that you can prepare yourself for, um, as a friend and, um, you know, as a family member and, um, it's just a tragic situation. Um, so yeah, I, I was talking with Elise and Sean and Vanessa about it just because, you know, it, it, it feels like, like it was someone we know. I, I didn't know Katie. Um, I'd watched her play a few times and I had, you know, sat in the stands near her as, as we watched, uh, the men's soccer team play, but I didn't, I didn't know her. Um, but you know, you do kind of identify with the person. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, we were student or you, you currently are, but I was a student athlete at Stanford. Um, Elise was a student athlete at Stanford. Vanessa was a student athlete at Stanford. It, it feels like one of our own, um, so, uh, I think it, it, obviously 
we weren't as connected as someone that actually knew her and, and was friends with Katie, but um, it definitely hit home and, and reminds you of, um, you know, the things that really are important in life, um, you know, racing and running fast and all these things are great, but there are things that are much more important. Um, and, uh, yeah, b- before the race, I, I realized that I was going to be hip number 19, um, purely coincidence. Uh, I didn't request 19. Um, it just happened. And when I got the, the hip number, I was like, man, like it just reminded me of, of, um, my little brother of, of, you know, the things that he was saying about Katie that people were saying about, you know, uh, dealing with the loss and everything. So, uh, I felt it was a, a fitting, fitting tribute. And, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, sounds like she touched the lives of a lot of people. Um, mental health Definitely. is a, a very serious thing. Um, I won't pretend to be an expert on it or anything, but, um, it, it is a serious thing. And, uh, it's really tragic when, when things like this happen and I really feel for her, her friends and family. So, um, yeah, I, I, I hope it was a, a fitting tribute. Um, but it, it sounds like there's been an, an outpouring of support just through the whole community. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very well said. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's been a heavy week for all of us on campus. I also didn't know her personally, but just she was just such a large figure within our athletic department and seen as such a leader, I think, of, of all of our kind of our entire athletic culture here um, at Stanford. So she'll be missed greatly. And I think it serves as many different things and not nearly simply this, but it is just a reminder um, to everyone of, of the connections that they make uh, in their groups, in their circles, and especially within your teams and how important that they are and how, how hopefully uh, everyone listening out there knows like how much that they are loved and valued by, by people close to them and important to them. Uh, no matter how dark something may seem. But again, echoing your thing, I am certainly by no means an, an expert in mental health. So um, if you're struggling, there's resources, just a click and a couple of types away uh, on on the internet, uh, people close to you, but never be afraid to reach out. I think that that's just a super important thing to say. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, on, on a bit of a heavier conclusion, of course, but importantly so, uh, just... Uh, what what a what a what a special week that this was um, for you though in in the context of this race and and getting it done um, working with teammates I mean these last these last two or three weeks man I mean I said it after Boston truly a special level of a a, a new level I feel like that that we're unlocking where yeah like we like same thing I said a couple weeks ago man I mean it, things are things are certainly moving in the right direction twenty six thirty three. And, and on real time, I, I still, I mean, similar to the mental gymnastics that you say you do pre-race, I feel like even thinking about that number at 10K time is, is kind of ridiculous. I mean, I know it's not the world record, but uh, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. I'm excited to see what you can do over a 15 as well. <laughs> um, I, that would be really fun. Maybe you run a mile at some point. I don't know. No, uh, no. I, 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 think, uh, nope, I think a 15. Nope, I'll stay away from the mile. <laughs> not one time. Not, not even one time. We're going to... Yeah. One of these years that Worlds or Olympics doesn't overlap with Sir Walter, we're gonna get you down to Raleigh, <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna see about that. We'll do it on my high school's track. Um, the only other the only other things that 
I have at least for, for listeners is, is hopefully we're going to have some interviews coming up in the coming weeks. Uh, now that you're down from altitude, uh, we might be able to make some connections in, in Oregon. Uh, maybe get some, maybe get some old friends on the mic for, for an episode or two here. Um, we had a, someone tweeted us to get Lopez on, so we're going to have to corral him. Maybe it can be part of like house dues. Uh, <laughs> if he, if he joins, if he joins the little, little club here, uh, at your house, but, yeah, stay tuned for hopefully some content with uh, with some special guests as well over the coming weeks. We've had some pretty good seasons so far. But I feel like we're just getting started despite uh, this kind of capping off that time trial portion of the season and obviously being a wild, wild, impressive achievement. feels like we're really just getting this thing going. Uh, really excited about it, man. I'm really excited for you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, man, it's been a, a fun start to the season. Um, yeah, trying to balance, you know, just being amped from – uh prs and and all the great things that my team has been doing um world standards like all 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 the above and um balancing that with you know the 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 vision of you know the big stuff's in the summer um so yeah we uh the, the team's had a great start to the year um and hopefully we can snowball this into uh some more great stuff this summer um for sure. But yeah, now it's time for a little downtime, a little uh, down cycle in training. Um, no workouts this week. Uh, a very rare luxury that that my coach uh, gave us. So, um, yeah, no workouts. Um, that means uh, lots of sleeping, just easy running. That's nice. Two things, both about hats. Um, first of all, Woody wearing the arm sleeves, so he's racing. That was kind of the impression we were all under. Hat. Does it signify that he's pacing? Was that kind mm. of the implicit message there? Especially when Ollie Hoare was given, I think, a, I don't, it looked like the same type of hat. There's no way that could be true because of contract stipulations, of course. But <laughs> was the hat a sign that Woody was pacing? Um, I, I, I guess kind of. <laughs> um, he kind wanted to wear the hat. I, I'm not sure if it was to signify pacing, but he wanted to wear a hat. He was talking about it the day before. Um, he's like, I'm going to wear a hat. Um, it, it does seem like a lot of times when people, uh, like, like Ollie, when, when, when you double back from a previous race to pace, uh, I feel like people often like to, to do like the t-shirt or the hat, um, kind of style. The t-shirt I felt like was kind of new for me. I mean, I, I guess I'd seen it occasionally before, but I was, I feel like I was not expecting a t-shirt. Although, you know, <laughs> maybe that's a new thing. Yeah. Sense. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really yeah. know what, what Woody's motivation was to wear the hat, but, um, he rocked it brand, brand new hats, get them it. on a Bowerman's website. I guess I'll, I'll plug them. Um, yeah, I, I think they're still available. Yeah. I don't think they're sold out. They but... do good things for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As someone who's also interested in pushing the boundaries of fashion, a la this jacket, uh, I thought that the, the t-shirt pacing job was, was interesting and cool. Um, as well as the hats. And then the second question is the uh how do i possibly the 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 biggest hats i've ever seen um post race in the interview that that you and that you and mo had on uh where is that hat now um can we see it on the live stream and why did it cover not just your head but the entire heads of anyone who put it on (laughs) Um, yeah, so those hats were given to us by, uh, the sound running guys after the race. Um, they, they say, I'll, I'll grab it here just a second. 
describe it. It's fine. I can I can stall for the for the audio only people. Um, this hat, in case you guys didn't see, see the live stream, is like an interesting like teal shade of blue, I think, and is like at least three feet in diameter. All right, so so here's the hat. Shout oh, out Sound Running. Um, yeah, and I have this thing like completely cinched in the back. Um, okay, that's I, why I, it was very <laughs> loose. I feel like <laughs> so I um I I kind of have a tiny head. Um, yeah, like but not, it was t- it was huge on everyone. Is the thing I know you have a tiny head. So yeah, I, I mean like, I have a small honestly, head, but yeah, so all hats kind of look look a little goofy on me. Um, but this one, like this one's too big for me. <laughs> um, it's a flat especially piece. the flat you brim. The, the brim flat brim just makes yeah. it look like so much bigger. It's like uh, yeah. When I first put it on, it there were like noticeable gaps on the side, but um, there I, were. I cinched it down a bit. Um, right. here, here's here's the Bowerman hat for the live live stream people Ooh. little btc on the side also cinched cool pretty on. tight <laughs> um so this this one's a little more streamlined for running i'm a big backwards hat on the run guy but i feel like forwards hat especially in a race i'd be worried about it if there's any wind almost like blowing off i mean even if it's cinched pretty good down like like there's got to be some sort of wind resistance calculation <laughs> in there that Woody was just getting a little bit extra work in, I guess. Yeah, I mean they I can't know. they can't be um, the most aerodynamic thing. Um, they just can't. That's the thing. Not. He was resistance training in the lab this weekend. That's true. Yeah, so you're, yeah gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna have to watch for him. <laughs> yeah, forward. I think. Um, yeah, I mean when we were wearing these, uh, they said sound running on them, so I feel like we should have worn we wore them forward because of that. You know, so you know. Rep, no, rep, I mean post race as well. Yeah, yeah. Post race, you can wear a hat forward. It's the norm you know yeah, just yeah. while you're running like you got to kind of have it i don't know to each his own of course um i loved seeing it from woody i love seeing it from the guys i loved seeing an american record out of you my podcast co-host uh is there anything else that we got to address before we sign off here uh no i, I thought that was pretty comprehensive we went we went kind of long um yeah and uh i'm kind of sleepy it's kind of late sorry i was kind of rubbing my eyes this whole po- podcast my contacts are getting a little dry um, no, you did great. It's my <laughs> fault for having stuff to do until like 9 p.m. No, no, um, you give in. It's, you know how that college life is. You yeah. got practice, you got lift. You, yeah, it's a lot. It's it, Love it, though. You got you got to embrace it. I am grateful to get you on uh, on this Tuesday night. Hopefully, this will be out Wednesday midday uh, for you guys to consume. And yeah, uh, let us know your thoughts uh, in general on all this, on which way you wear hats, um, on if Woody looked dope as hell in the race uh, on this tech fleece jacket and on anything else you guys want to talk about uh leave a comment instagram dm email you guys know how to reach us um and thank you guys for listening to another episode of the half step pod we should be back next week with another episode thanks y'all yeah thank you guys